Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is the Irish crime author Alex Barclay. After a career in journalism, she turned her hand to writing and is now the proud author of nine crime novels, including the acclaimed Ren Bryce series. She's also written a children's fantasy book and a young adult title will be out soon. Her latest offering is a standalone crime novel called I Confess, which is about a group of friends who are reunited for an evening and one of them ends up dead. Alex, I found it to be a really dark book, like literally from page one. You just know things are not going to end well. Yes, um, it, even became darker than I thought it would be at the start and setting up the inn that it happens in and on this headland in the Barra Peninsula was a huge part of setting the scene and making it really claustrophobic and dark and wild and I didn't do that until I had written some of the earlier parts of the book um, because I was getting it in my head exactly what I wanted to do and creating that picture and then I went back to write that opening piece to set it up exactly as the backdrop to something very, very claustrophobic and to set up the history of, of the landscape as well. So that was really fun to do. But yes, I certainly didn't want anyone to be lulled into a sense that they were going to read something about fairies and unicorns. But you do live there and it's a beautiful part of the country. So why make such horrible things happen in such <laughs> a beautiful part of the world? Like? I think it definitely has to be that um, juxtaposition of, of those things. I love the contrast. Um, and it is. It's absolutely stunning. And it's stunning in all seasons and it's a very, very interesting landscape to look out on. And that's why I set it in November where it's this wild, stormy night. And when you're on the peninsula and looking out at on any headland or from any window, you know, if you're if you're in the right place, you're just seeing this vast sea and the, and the waves and all of that churning and you know, just it just creates this it's inspirational really. And I live there and I see all the gorgeousness of, of what the place is like and the people are beautiful but I'm like okay put some nasty stuff in there I, c- I could only make it up And where did you know where did the idea for the plot come from? I wanted to do a psychological thriller and it's my first time doing one so I gave it a lot of thought what is the kind of thing that I want to do and I came up with the idea of this school reunion and people coming back together and part of that was just the psychological exploration of of people reuniting who have known each other since childhood have all gone off in, in different directions lived different lives coming back together and the the thing I wanted to explore I think was the theme of it that idea of um, change and how much we change in our lives throughout our lives and how much other people allow us to change. You know, there can be this assignation of roles and you can be labelled as you know the smart one, the nasty one, the, all of these things. So I've given them all these personalities and I loved that idea. So it was very much the, the back and forth um, psychological interaction and then throwing in a crime in the middle of it and seeing how they'd react. And what was interesting was you actually sort of moved through time as well. You talked about what was happening now in their contemporary lives, but also went back to their early childhood and their teenage years. So was that a difficult device to get right? There was a lot of planning with that. And 
that's a, it's a great question because it's it's lovely when you've put all that work in and people notice the you know that, that that's been done and woven that way. Yeah, it was very much I knew the se- I knew the scenes that I wanted to pluck from their childhoods and teens that would really represent their personalities then uh, and how it would tie in with the present day. So there were maneuverings of um pulling chapters out and replacing them so that I could have maximum impact and maximum relevance to the present day plot. So in present day, something will arise in a conversation and then I'll go straight into the flashback in the next chapter to give you an insight of A, is the person, you know, accurately reflecting the story or, you know, B, is there lying going on and is there denial or, or has a memory been buried? So you very much get the sense of what was going on then um, juxtaposed with you know what's happening now. And in terms of editing then, was that difficult or did that make it easier? It was really difficult to right. edit this. This was intense and it was it was you know I, I had to I have major perfectionist tendencies mm-hmm. which you know which happen even though I know and I teach creative writing um, as well I will say there is no such thing we all know there's no such thing as a perfect book but you want to get the perfect version of your story. So there was a lot of very, very detailed editing and I just kept at it and at it. And I have a wonderful editor, Sarah Hodgson in HarperCollins, and she was very patient, very tolerant and could see every time when I was making any of these changes, they were all for the better. So I I got to do that editing and then see it was worth all that hard work. And how long did it take to write it altogether then? Um, I think it took about... 18 months. Oh, okay. Um, I was that long so. for you? Yes, it was an, a really interesting process. It was different to any other book I've ever written um, in, in how I approached it. And in and I, I, I'm still trying to think, was it the ensemble cast and, you know, getting all of that right? There were a lot of elements that were extra elements that I wouldn't have had in, in another book. So, and, and editing and, and changing the storyline because I always feel... There is a story that you're telling, but there really are so many ways to tell any story. And it was getting that right as well. Um, And then throw in the perfectionism and it was, you know, it was it was going on for longer and longer. But I was I was just happy that I could do that. Um, And also the character development, because you had seven friends, seven different characters. You therefore need seven quite different voices and to make sure that they they stand out from the crowd and don't all sound alike. So was that difficult? Um, that is is a brilliant point, and I'm I always feel really strongly about that. I would always say if you are, for example, changing a line and giving it to somebody else, it should be completely different. And if you're able to move a line and give it to somebody else without changing it, then your voices aren't distinct enough. Good point. And I always think if somebody read out a line to me from I Confess, uh, I'd know straight away who's saying it. Um, it's it's so important, and especially with this ensemble cast because you're there and in this particularly those tense scenes where they're all in this tiny room together interacting. It needs to be very, very clear who's saying what. And and I, I love all that. I love people's um tics and how they how they talk and and the language they use. And it's it's when you start writing dialogue, you're really writing it in 
at the start and getting to know the characters that way and then they develop their, their own conversational style. And the conversational style I found was extremely Irish. It was it was <laughs> hilarious. I identified with a huge amount of it and the characters were probably a similar age group as well. So, and that's interesting because even if we go back then to your, let's go back to your first book in terms of, of when you started writing, but there was a lot of American dialogue in that. And then as you followed through with the rest of your books, a lot of them were set in the States. So, how did you go from that American dialogue to Irish dialogue or switch between the two? Was it difficult? It was at the start because there are some elements of Irish dialogue when they were written on paper. They And my classic example is sure. And we all go, sure, whatever. And when you write it down, it just looks strange Odd. and it sounds weird and especially because it could be pronounced sure and then there are loads of ticks like that so um, you you have to take them out and when I started I was being very very particular about the Irish dialogue in a way and I said no I have to just go and write it in the way that it could be American either and then sort of tone it back down again. So I wrote into it and that was that they're the parts that didn't go into the book like there. That was me at the start writing away and uh, it evolving. Basically, yeah, because I was so used to doing American and as well because we're so exposed to American culture and a lot of the shows we watch are American and all the crime drama in when I started reading crime was American. So I'm so used to it and it was a bit strange, but I loved doing it. And because I've got um, approval from many uh, Cork readers, um, that was just amazing. <laughs> That's important. That was like, oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. It worked. So you actually started as a journalist first, working with a couple of magazines, including the RT Guide. Yes, I loved working with the RT Guide. I've been really, really lucky everywhere I've worked uh, in di- and in really different areas. Areas. I've written about construction, written about the food industry and then all the features that kind of opened up when I worked in You magazine. And with the Orty Guide, I was fashion and beauty editor and I absolutely loved that. All those freebies. I know, it was unbelievable. They're a great loss. And were you always tinkering with the idea of writing a novel? No, and it was so natural when I started doing it. It was sort of surprising. I had an idea. I sat down one Sunday morning and I started writing what I thought was going to be a screenplay and I was just going to teach myself screenwriting which is actually what I have done but at the time I showed it to um, a few people close to me and they said oh that's a novel and I went okay and I just started and and you obviously had an idea in mind and, and yeah, were and going with it yeah because I and I found this the other day I found a notebook and I had gone to Galway and I started I sat in a coffee shop and I hand wrote some notes and that's what I started to write when I sat down on the Sunday morning and they are basically almost verbatim the opening lines of Dark House my first book really? they were barely changed and I can I like I looked at it the handwriting little notes coming out of it but it's almost the exact same as, as how it opens which was interesting and I wanted this police chase through New York so it was all very pacey and dramatic and then you had a horrible um, killer in a horrible situation and I just went from there and, and stopped at the first three chapters and sent them to an agent then and what did they say? Well, it was really mad because I think it arrived into him on a Friday and I got a call on Monday saying, um, I love it and can I um, see the rest of it? And <laughs> I said, it is not written. So he said, how long do you think it would take? And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know, six months. So it was eight months in the end. Right. And then he rang me and said, I'd love to represent you. And then a couple of months later, it was um, finished. I had done some other little touches and then 
it ended up going to auction with the different publishers and um, it came down to... That was exciting. It was terrifying and exciting and surprising and just I had never imagined that was going to be the response and it was a lot of fun yeah it was really good fun going to London and um, I had to meet both publishers and decide which one and how did you make that decision that's tough I know because they were both fabulous um, and I but I went into HarperCollins and that was the funniest thing because they had uh, they had taped off the front of the building with crime scene tape I literally thought, oh, good Lord, what There's has happened? There's an issue here. <laughs> I thought, I'm not going to get in. Oh, my God. And they'd done a chalk outline in the in the foyer. And we they wanted in. you. It was really <laughs> hilarious. And I was like, this is insane. And they did a big banner and then went in and they were, it was really sweet. They It was 11.30 in the morning and they opened a bottle of champagne and there was a boardroom of about 12 people. And they said, we are opening this anyway so if you go with us or not we just want to celebrate um, the book that you have written we think it's amazing and I just couldn't believe it I was like this is uh, absolutely amazing but straight away there was a great feeling in the room and and that's important it really is I'm very um, focused on the energy that comes off people and and places and that's what I really really respond to and and as well even around any table you know there are certain people you gravitate towards and my first editor um, Wayne Brooks was there at the table and he was he's just hilarious he's such a funny guy and we ended up talking about my boots and everyone was fun and it was just really really lovely um, and yeah it's all about feeling it's I'm I, I should be probably more hardcore and cynical Focus and all on the financials. Stuff. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm just like, God, these are lovely people. And, and here I am. <laughs> was it a one book deal or how did that work? That was a two book deal. So that was for Dark House and The Caller. And then the next two deals were three book deals. And now this one's a two book deal. So it's and I was going to say, in terms of Dark House, did you write that as a standalone or did you know there was going to be a follow on? I wrote it as a standalone, knowing, though, that it had the possibility for that. And then that's what they wanted. So um, I didn't have the plot formulated, but... Um, I had, yeah, I had all the characters set up. And then when you moved on to the next one, which was the Ren Bryce, the FBI agent, that series again, did you start that as a standalone or did you set it up as as a series? That was going to be set up as a series and I had spoken with my editor and he said, have you ever thought of writing a... Heroin um, instead of um, you know the the male protagonist, and I said no. I just loved writing the male characters, and I loved writing Joe. But I was open. I'm always open to anything. But I had to go away and think about it, and then it came to me, and I was only happy to do it because uh, Ren appeared like uh, you know came in like a wrecking ball, <laughs> and I went okay, I can do it now because she's bipolar. That was the the difference. So I had given her that, and I went. That is me really, really happy uh, having that as a central character. But I, I always knew Ren was, was going to be a series. And then in terms of her condition, it was also set in the States. Um, so there was a lot of things and a lot of aspects going on there. Did that not make the research more difficult? I love research. The only difficult part about research, I think, is the rabbit hole nature of it. You know, you get stuck. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. The, some of the books really, because I, I pick apart from the police procedural stuff and apart from what's going on with Ren, I always pick a separate subject that interests me but I get really obsessed with it for the length of time that I'm doing the book and I you know there's I did a pharmaceutical industry one in in blood loss and that the rabbit hole was exceptional I must have read you know it was just epic Um, for for example you will only end up 
you know, putting, you know, three to five thousand words on it maximum in the book. But you've read 900 books and research papers on it. And your next one, the latest one, I confess, which is which is out at the moment, it's another standalone now. So why did you choose to do a standalone this time? Again, it was kind of a conversation with my editor and discussing what to do next because we, we both felt, OK, I can have a little break from Ren, who I absolutely adore writing um, and who's still with me. I actually really missed her when I started um, writing, I confess. And will um, she come back? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's always there. I, I sometimes feel like, you know, in this sense, she's up to, no, which is always up to no good, <laughs> but she's off doing something while I'm doing this. And I missed, what I missed was the um, internal musings of Ren and her particular sense of humour. I always have to find somebody funny in all the books because I can get that out there. So I've got Murph in I Confess gives me that. Whew comedy element he does absolutely <laughs> does yes really he was the main character there's nearly a book in him by himself I love know? him um, so what's what's next then is, is there going to be a follow on from I Confess or just leave it as a standalone that's going to be a standalone and again though it's it's hard to let go of, of, of certain characters but in the case of I Confess because of the body count sadly some of them have to be let go of it's too late <laughs> you'd have to create a whole different character set <laughs> for the to next resurrect one. some of them or do a prequel but uh, you see in all of them as well there are options you could actually pluck out one of the characters and tell a different story of their life plus with I Confess which was unusual for me there were loads of extra bits that I didn't put in there are countless scenes um, of of different flashbacks and uh, other little bits and bobs and people who had relationships that no longer had relationships in I Confess in the end. Maybe put them all together. Exactly, as, a, as another book. And you've mostly stuck with the crime genre all the way through, but you did write a children's fantasy book. Yeah, uh, again, I feel very lucky that um, my, my publishers are so great about allowing me to pursue these different areas. So, um, and I absolutely loved writing it, Curse of Kings, and it was total fantasy. So interesting again, because you're creating this whole world that is effectively no particular time, but kind of medieval. And then this kingdom and setting up the rules of the kingdom is really, really interesting. Um, there's so much to do. And you set up the, the magic of it as well. So you and you set up like the the mottos of the people and the values that they have and the cultural You're stuff. creating your whole own world. Yes. New world. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. And I loved doing that. And that's something I'd return to again as well. Um, and you have a young adult one due out soon as well. Yeah, I, I have one out um, called my heart and other breakables, how I lost my mom, found my dad and made friends with catastrophe. Oh, there you go. That's the line that makes us want to read it. Read it all straight away. And where did the idea then for that come from? That was such a simple little idea that I had one day. And the story is a diary format and it's a 15 year old girl called Ellery Brown. And her mother was an author and her mother sadly died and had never told her who her father is. So Ellery decides, because her mother's an author, looks at her bookshelves, sees dedications from male authors that are quite affectionate and thinks, OK, it's one of them. And then she goes off sleuthing for that. So there's still, I still get my mystery element. You do. Um, but it's a lot of comedy. And then it's obviously very poignant. I think my editor said it's the funniest book to make you cry your eyes out. Oh God, OK. That's I thought was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, and instead, you know, as I said, you focused on crime and you, you have the kids and young adult stuff. Would you ever do another genre though? 
Oh, yeah. I've always said, you know, I can rule out sports autobiography, but anything else <laughs> is I think comedy might work, though. Oh, I would love it. Because um, your turn of phrase is great. Oh, so. thank you. I had so much fun doing it. But it was funny when I was, because My Heart and Other Breakables is is quite funny, like very funny as in you're writing it. And I, by the way, it's not like I'm thinking I'm really funny. It really does feel like these are people and I'm just writing what they're coming out with. But when I started to write I Confess, there's... There are so many more comedy scenes with Murph and comedy conversations because he's just that guy. He's the friend who who makes people laugh. Um, and I, lo- I loved writing that. I just think it, it, it's, it's fun. It entertains me. And then I get such a kick out of doing the dark stuff too. So um, I will be doing another teen book and then another standalone psychological thriller. So I'll get to see where I go with with both Both. of them. And how far are you into the next psychological thriller? I have not written one word of it. (laughs) Luckily, I don't have to straight away. I hope. (laughs) I'm like, don't don't let my publisher hear this interview. (laughs) I assume the idea is in your head somewhere, though. Absolutely not. (laughs) No, just only because just right now I'm doing um, I'm doing the line edits on My Heart and Other Breakables. So I have a couple of weeks more on that. And I had to have a little break after I confess um, to, to mainly sleep after all the all-nighters. Um, so, yeah, I want to... I, I Sorry, now, in fairness, I do have one little idea. Uh, germ of an idea with a very tiny cast. So I'm thinking, again, I love challenging myself and doing different things. So it's a really tiny cast. And I'm thinking, do I want to do that? Will that interest me for a year? It's quite a, an indulgent thing as well, though. You have to think I'm getting up every morning and uh, hanging out with these people for a year. So I, have I need to, to like them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in terms of your writing routine, how do you how do you work that? It changes as it goes along. So I have this these periods of time where I get up at, at half six and I start working at 7am when I hear Marty Whelan's jingle (laughs) (laughs) on the lyric. (laughs) I actually confessed this to him that it's like Pavlov's dog. I have to be at my desk and hear the jingle. (laughs) It's hilarious. So I'll do that and I'll I'll listen to the show. It's the only show that I can go, Okay, it's there as I'm as I'm writing. So I I listen to that and then uh, I keep going. I keep going throughout the day. I've um, very few other responsibilities. um, So you're writing full time. Yeah, and I absolutely love it, but I will. I can keep going. I wouldn't dream of stopping because it's any particular time or it's, you know, it's dinner time or anything. I just go. <laughs> don't worry about dinner. We don't <laughs> need to eat. Let's just keep writing. And so do you aim for a particular word count or just go with the flow on a particular day? It depends on what stage I'm at. And it, it, word count is such an interesting element of it because obviously at the start, you're not that concerned because when you're starting, you're just you can just write loads and loads and loads. And it reaches a point where you're and it's probably about 30,000 words where you're going, OK, it, it things change. Then you get conscious of your deadline. And I use Scrivener software. I don't know if you have other authors um, in talking about that. And Scrivener is absolutely amazing for authors. And it has a thing that you put in your final word count you put in the days left to your deadline. <laughs> it's like a How many days down. you work? Yeah, it's a like bomb. A hideous bomb that hangs over you. But it's really good because it, it, it comes up on screen. Bing, you've reached your word count for the day. Now, I would never stop if I was on a was, roll. You just I'd keep, keep going. going. But the, and part of me, though, would be going, that means I get a day off next week. <laughs> I'll have made it up. And do you write seven days a week? Yes. 
Okay, interesting. Yes. Yeah. And it's really funny because at the start I would have thought, oh my Lord, no, that wouldn't, you, w- you wouldn't do that. I didn't actually believe people about that. Um, but now there, there would be a day maybe where I wouldn't write, but I certainly, there's no schedule. Like I would never go Saturday and Sunday, I'm, I'm not working. In fact, Sunday's my best writing day. And I wonder is that because I started on a Sunday Possibly. and created some spell there, but <laughs> I love it. Um, I would like a little kind of, week off that would be nice a bit of a breather but it's just not the way it goes when you're effectively working for yourself you have your so many irons in the fire and you just keep doing that so just in terms of the workload alone I couldn't really stop and you mentioned earlier on about being sort of slightly obsessive and mm-hmm. and all the research and everything you do so I assume you plot then from start to finish do you? I have a weird plotting style in that I would be very very focused and very it's mechanical almost it's mathematical it's you know I would have charts done out but not at the start so I'll always have the essential plot the opening and ending which so may you know not stay the, the same I know the end and then I change you it you know the killer yes and then I change it as well like I there's a lot of that you know I mean I have characters in books that were good guys in draft one and bad guys in draft two I just love that and I'm very conscious that I don't um, cheat the reader either there there will still be you know when you come to the end it will totally make sense to you because I'll have those little breadcrumbs all the way through and the clues you, you, it's not like I just change the killer and none of it makes sense it is okay I'm changing this for dramatic effect and then I, I can also go back in and weave other elements through But you obviously give yourself the leeway to do that so you're not totally structured Yes so it's difficult for my editor you know <laughs> <laughs> It's like just give me another week I have decided to do this um, but yeah and I know really editors are just amazing and you're very blessed if you have one that gets your style and we've worked on many books together so she knows And they that still gonna, like you uh, Well I don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough and then finally just before I let you go, obviously, you know, with I Confess, this beautiful part of the world where you bring these horrific crimes. What did your neighbours think of all these shenanigans? <laughs> well, I am going back there tomorrow and the book has only come out <laughs> yesterday. So I'm very nervous. I did actually um, have somebody um, read it um, gave it to somebody the other day and I got the most beautiful feedback um, and he didn't mind at all and he's a long time resident there and he didn't mind at all what I'd done he absolutely loved it and he loved how the uh, peninsula was represented and loved all the darkness so wow. I was like thank God because <laughs> you know it could be people have been amazing um, because you know coming from Dublin and then being down there in a, in a small town the support even in you're just walking down the street and you bump into somebody and how's the writing going? Have you got a book coming out? And it's just gorgeous when you're, you know, hidden away like a weirdo in your office for most of the time. So, yeah, it's great. But yes, I am a tiny bit. We're going to see a sales spike then for for the novel down in the the Beira Peninsula. Well, Alex Barkley, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books. And you'll find Alex's book, I Confess, in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is is at Inside Books I or E. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on SoundCloud or iTunes and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 